What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Daily Groomer podcast. I'm your host, Alex Martin, and today I am joined by a groomer who is so inspiring, she'll knock your socks off. <laughs> Sarah Himmelsign in 2008 started a boarding, daycare, and grooming facility with her brother and her mom. They all decided to open up the salon in the midst of all sorts of chaos that was going on in 2008 with just a $25,000 loan in their pockets and an earnest attitude. They set out to make themselves. Today, Puptown Lounge has two locations in Columbus, Ohio, and they're set to open up a third in the new year. We are sitting down with Sarah today to learn more about how she's grown her business so far and what's to come. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. Yes, thank you for having me. So I'm super stoked, Sarah, that you're here because, you know, it's really, really hard to go from one store to multiple and not only have you been able to cross that chasm to do it with a second store but now you're about to do it with a third as well yes talk to me i mean what has been i know we're kind of jumping right into it but like what's been the hardest part of going from one to two to three um so the hardest part well so you have to understand our we started doing this together. Like we've always been doing this together as a family. Um, when we were kids, our mom groomed in our basement. So it was our job basically from the time we um, were able, we were answering phones, we were doing scheduling, we were doing check-ins for my mom. Um, and so we've always been kind of doing it together, but we have been doing it, we've been in it. Um, and I think as you start to grow and you get bigger, you hit the point where you have to realize, you know, you can't be growing and also doing every single thing yourself. So just those growing pains of realizing, you know, a change in role and a change in focus for yourself has been hard for both my brother and I both like to just our both of us are our kind of comfortable spaces in the shop, um, doing the things, doing the haircuts or you know, talking to every single client and seeing every single order. And so in order to grow, you can't do, you can't grow and do all the things. Um, and so then just like wrapping your brain around and getting comfortable with doing other things that aren't those in the shop things. It's now hard. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> super hard, especially when that's all you know, right? Like, yeah, it's so, ingrained like, in our being and all of us. <laughs> right, especially <laughs> being in your basement. So like you're, I think I read that your mom, still grooms for you guys is that right she does she works a couple of days a week um and she so she is you asked me too quick um okay i'm gonna say in her late 60s slash 70 maybe but so she <laughs> she is um she enjoys to be like being here and being with us um and she's just like she in her words a battle axe like she goes i mean like she can do 10 12 plus grooms a day. She does stick to small dogs now, which, you know, those are much, go much quicker, but oh, yeah. um, she just likes to be here with us. And so she goes through phases of like, if she's, you know, your body wears out, like if she's oh, in a phase of a lot of pain, she'll back it down. But she always, she's like, okay, now I'm retiring and I'm going to go to one day a week. And then like two weeks later, she's messaging the manager, like, okay, put me back on four days a week. So I she, mean she has her own, her own journey too. <laughs> no, I love that. I love that. I mean, everyone loves a good like serial retirer. That means they really do yeah. love it, right? It's She's terrible fine. at retiring. 
that's a great quality to be terrible at, honestly, especially in the family <laughs> business. So set the context for us a little bit here, just for the listeners. So when you started, you, you know, we were just talking about how hard it is to remove yourself from the inner workings of the business. And I feel that. And I know every salon owner feels that as well. Stepping away from your baby, it seems like the wrong thing to do, but it's the right thing to do to actually grow your business. But before we even get into that, lay the context. When you guys started, so your mom's a groomer. Were you a groomer? And what was your brother doing? I know you guys were answering kind of phone calls and stuff like that when you guys were doing it in your basement. But kind of lay the context of like, what were your roles in the early store days? Okay, so when we were kids, we were just doing whatever our mom said. Um, And a lot of that was, you know, answering phones, doing the scheduling. Um, And then we were also on uh, the classic Boyden. That's my big name, um, the family name, Um, the Boyden marketing move is every spring my mom would make this flyer and it would say um spring is sprung the grass is riz i wonder where the doggies is or whatever and she would go to staples and she would make like a thousand copies and then she'd be like everybody get your butts outside and we would just deliver them door to door in our own neighborhood um so she taught us the uh benefits of guerrilla marketing from a really young age um she so she worked in the home until we were all you know high school aged or whatever um it's lonely i think being by yourself um and so she branched out and she did some other things um like grooming in some other shops she learned some lessons there and then she opened um just a standalone grooming salon with a friend um in a partnership um setup and she was grooming on the other side of town doing that cliff was um, he was oddly a sheriff's deputy at the time for Franklin County, which is where we were at. And I was a sign language interpreter for Columbus City Schools. Um, and our mom really wanted to, she saw the potential long before we did, because at the time, 2008, in Columbus, there wasn't that many doggy daycares around. And um, I had kind of been asking um, to learn how to do the finished grooming. You know, when we were kids, she would be like, you know, go do this bath or help me do this rough cut or whatever. So we kind of all knew the basics. And I had asked her about learning how to groom. Um, and her business partner didn't want to go down that road with us. So my mom was like, you know, this doggy daycare, I swear, this is going to be a great thing. We should do it. Um, and so the stars kind of aligned and our grandpa was really supportive and he gave us a loan for $25,000. Um, And so Cliff and I opened in 2008 with just the boarding and daycare piece. Um, He quit his job immediately at that time. I stayed with the school system for one more year. So I, my days were, I would go to school in the morning and then I would text Cliff on my way in and I would say, put on the PM pot and he would make a PM pot of coffee and we would close because we didn't close till seven. And then that was seven days a week. So we both did seven days a week um, for at least a year. Um, I only did one school year like that. It was really, really tiring. Um, And so it was about a year, but we did a full year um, where my mom was grooming with her partner at that time in that shop. We weren't offering grooming services and we were not taking paychecks. Um, And so that that, that was a stressful time and it lasted for a year. But we were fortunate enough after one year to be able to at least afford to pay yourself to pay ourselves. Yeah. I mean, and that's that's what it takes. And I feel like that is the unglamorous side is you're working seven days a week. You're putting on the PM pot of coffee every night. 
you're not taking a paycheck for that first year. And I tell people all the time, if you're looking to open up a salon, even if you have a client list, did you budget in the first six months without taking any dollars, at least the first six months without taking any dollars? And if you we cannot do that, you're not ready yet, even if you have a client, even if you're a good groomer, because at the end of the day, everything takes longer than you think, especially as you're trying to build up your clientele. You have unexpensed or you have unexplained costs that oh, kind of yeah. add up. I mean, unexpected talk to, things popping up all the time. And tell me Constant. about it. And that still happens to us. Oh, I bet. I, I would imagine. I can't even. I'm yeah, you're you're two stores deep about to open up a third. And I bet you're right, you're still budgeting in those kind of like unexpected costs that come up, stuff takes oh, yeah. longer, etc. So when you guys started, it started with just daycare, right? Daycare boarding. Okay, daycare and boarding. And what yep. how how long into that journey did you guys add grooming? Uh it was uh, that next year, 2009. Uh and we phased it in. Um we're really, we're really good at at boot bootstrapping as we like to say, but so we started with just doing um, one day a week. Like my mom would come one day a week. She was off on Mondays over there, I think. So she would come on Mondays and we would book all of our grooms for Mondays. And she would show me, you know, teaching me all the finishing things and all the finishing touches and all that stuff. Um, and then slowly she was able to back away from over there and they dissolved that partnership and she came here. And that's how we built the business. That's amazing. And now you guys do grooming, boarding, and daycare. Uh, I'm curious, with the, today's current state of operations, I mean, there's very few people, or very few salon owners out there that offer all three. So talk to me about, you know, the way that you think about it as a business owner. Why do you continue to offer all three? You know, do they help each other out? Do you have the same customers for all of them? Does one bring oh, yeah. in a majority of the customers? Does one make a majority of the money? Kind of break it down from us from like a founder's perspective. Yeah. It's a whole um, symbiotic relationship and it ties right into our, the mission of Puptown, um, which kind of just like grew and evolved. And we honestly didn't even think about what's your mission until much later. Um, but our mission is for these pups around here to just have like the best life, to just be happy and healthy and have fun. And all three of those services work so well together. Um, like people can, you know, a lot of times when people are boarding, they'll get a groom at the end. Um, and then I just think daycare is really important for socialization. It's so good for dogs to play with other dogs and learn um, just how to interact with other dogs. It's good for them to have to listen to other humans that aren't their owners, just like kids. They have to learn how to do it. Um, and so I just think it's so important. So all three of those things are so important for the family uh, and the life of the dog. I, they just, they go well together. And I think financially it's about a third each revenue wise. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I would imagine, I mean, all of them probably have similar margins, right? Because yeah. you're. Uh, yes. Um, it, for the most part they do. Grooming labor is a little bit different. Um, it's kind of its own Beast. Right, because you're paying commission, so per dog, essentially, versus having hourly people to man the boarding and daycare piece. Right. Well, and so for there's this point where with daycare and boarding, it's like, you know, you have your, your staff, and you need this certain amount of staff, and there's a whole bunch of room in there. You know, once you hit, I don't know, whatever the number is, say 25 dogs, and then you've covered your, or 50 dogs, you've covered your 
um, cost for the day or whatever, everything after that, you know, you don't need a whole bunch more labor, but for grooming, it's like every dog, you know, every dog that you add on in grooming adds more labor. Do you right. know what I mean? I mean it's, yeah, it's literally a one for one type of deal where right. it is, it's a straight service where it's not like, you know, your, your daycare, you might have capacity for X. And once you meet that, yeah. then you hire more. Yeah. It's like grooming. It's like you add one more appointment. It's one you know, you, yeah. You need another hour and that hour doesn't right. come out of thin air, right? It comes right. from your schedule. So that's, su I mean, that's super interesting that you say all three are pretty even. Um, would you, if you were to do it again, and I know you have two stores and you're about to open up a third. If you were to start from scratch again, would you offer all three or would you dial in on just one or two of them? Uh, no, I think all three. I, okay. We love doing all three and they work so well together. Uh, and there are honestly, there are enough family members that we each kind of have our own path of expertise. And so it does, th this model is what really works well for us. No, I like it. And too. for the dogs too, I think, which is so important. 100%. And and you're right. For the dogs, you know, lots of dogs are scared or hesitant when they go to the grooming appointments. But if that's also the place that they do boarding and daycare at, they're much more comfortable and, and vice yes. versa as well. I mean, if they go and do boarding and daycare at, at the spot that they get groomed, again, they're much more comfortable. They're, they're more comfortable with the staff, the environment. Yes, even with which is our drive. entire mission. That's what we want is for those, for our dogs to love to come here. And so that's a perfect segue in. I was watching your guys' marketing videos. Uh, so shout out to Elizabeth, your marketing person. Um, She's great. About the like 90s pool parties and like stuff yeah. like that is yeah. just crazy to me. Talk to me about kind of how you think about marketing, why it's important and like how it ties into like, we really want the dogs to love being here. Yes, okay. Our marketing, the whole marketing piece is such a journey. Um, so to be clear, we actually have two Elizabeths. Um, my sister-in-law, Cliff's wife, is also Elizabeth, and she is she owns her own marketing firm, right? So we have that Elizabeth, and we've always had her at our disposal. Elizabeth Collins, our our marketing guru, she started here. Um, at, well, she's done all the jobs, basically. You know how it goes in a facility like this. It's really useful to have everybody know how to do everything. Oh yeah. So sure. she started in the daycare, and then I um, I snagged her in the grooming room. Um, she was bathing, and um, Cliff and I never put a huge. Um, in, in the beginning, we didn't have like a big focus on marketing. Um, honestly, we had a lot of clients come right away because of my mom's reputation, and it just wasn't something that we put a lot of energy into in the beginning. Uh, eventually we hired a Mark. Oh, go ahead. Let's pause there because that, I yes. think you're on to something that a lot of us think about. A lot of times when I talk to salon owners and marketing comes up, it's kind of like a fly in the wind where it's like, I don't need to worry about marketing because my schedule's full. Like my books are full. Yes. Seems like you guys That's exactly what we did. Oh yeah. No, we never even thought about it. Okay. This is so goofy in 2008. Cause I have a husband who's like a tech guy. And then we have Elizabeth who's marketer. Cliff and I are like, we don't need a website. You guys, that's ridiculous. And they were like, absolutely not shut up. We're doing one. Thank God. But at the time it was just like, I, you know, we deliver flyers and then they come and it's fine. We don't need that stuff. I mean, so, honestly, we're laughing about it right now, but like, I mean, there's probably thousands of salons across the country yeah. who don't have websites still. Yeah. Well, and also, do you have the bandwidth? If you're full all the time, it's really hard and you don't have the knowledge. 
it's really Make hard one. to find the time right. to do that. Yeah. Right. Your your expertise is grooming and running a salon. Yep. It's not putting up a website and managing that. So, but talk to me. I mean, there must have been a pivotal moment here because your guys' branding, and I and I urge the audience to go check out Puptown Lounge's branding, your guys' website, your videos. Um, you can't see her Zoom background right now, but it's it's awesome. Your guys' branding is definitely another level. And so at some point, the mindset shifted from we don't need to do that. We're okay with just flyers, not even a website, to we're going full out on branding and marketing. What caused that shift? So it was it was a slow transition. Um, but I think what really, two things happened at the same time. Number one, we, um, as we we realized when we opened the second shop, our second shop is actually not so far from the first one, but we were turning people away for every service every day. And so we love these dogs and we love these people and we need a place for these people to go. So we opened the second shop and just for, you know, obviously if you're going to open another shop, you do have to do some marketing. So we're thinking we're going to have to do marketing at that time. We also hired a business coach. Um, he, Pete McDowell, he's with action coach. Um, and one of the first things we did together with him in, um, you know, was he says, what's your marketing budget? And we both looked at him like zero dollars a month. How's that sound? And he's like, absolutely not. You're a growing business. You have to figure this out. Um, so we had that happening over there. Simultaneously, Elizabeth Collins, um, who is just a person who just embodies the culture here and she's just loved by everyone so much she uh and she's social media savvy lady so she was doing little things when she could when she had time to help um and we were seeing the clients were loving it she breaks her hand and obviously so now we're like okay well she still needs a paycheck we don't want to lose her we're starting to see the benefits of the things she's doing part-time one day a week or whatever, she breaks her hand and we're like, okay, well, this is the perfect opportunity. We're going to move her into a five day a week situation. Luckily, we had Elizabeth Boyd and my sister-in-law to kind of step in and help her with that piece. And then we had the business coach also behind us going, get it together with your marketing. <laughs> so it was like the start aligned on that one too. And everything kind of came together. Okay. So I have three things based off that I'm sitting here e okay. so eager to get it out. Okay. So okay. one, I want to verify the timing of this. So this was between store one and store two. So you guys had seen success at store one without marketing and you yes. wanted to open up a second store so that you could accept more clients. And to do that, that's when you brought in kind of the coach. And that's when this kind of stars aligned with Elizabeth breaking her hand. Yes. Is that right? Okay. Yes. Perfect. So my two questions based off that is marketing budget. I mean, name a more foreign word in the salon yeah. industry, right? I mean, I, I would guarantee you 99% of people have a $0 marketing budget. So I'm yeah. extremely curious if you don't mind sharing what, you know, back then, what was your guys' marketing budget and how did you arrive at that number? Um, and also to your point, I don't know if I could give you an exact dollar amount. Like what do we spend on marketing per month? And we're still in a phase with marketing too and with everything that we do where we just, we are willing to try different things to see what works. Um, and so we have a whole system to do that in terms of trying different things, tracking it, the data, seeing how it plays out in the end. We do all of that stuff and we have slowly created all of those systems. Um, but then also we had the big, you know, shift in her, her salary now is a marketing, but so it was a big right. jump really pretty okay. quick. Um, um, if you were to, if you were to recommend, you know, if someone's listening to this and they're like, Hey, 
maybe I should try that marketing thing. Maybe I should set up a budget. You know, you've been through it now, it seems like for a while. And you, you know, I know you've got Elizabeth, um, who's kind of your guru there, but I'm sure you've picked up some maybe high level stuff that you could suggest. Um, what would kind of be those suggestions? Obviously set a budget. Um, what kind of budget and don't be like with everything, don't be afraid to fail because we've had so many you know, you have a million ideas, especially marketing people because they're creatives. And um, my brother Cliffy is so excited about marketing things too. He always has big ideas about it, but, and me too, but sometimes it's just, it doesn't work out or whatever. So not being afraid to try different things um, and finding people who are experts because I am not an expert in this. So, and I used to have this mentality like, well, I have to be the one, like the one to do everything and the one to know everything because I'm the owner. So I should know it all, right? And it's like, no, I don't know it all, enough of that. But you have to be willing to accept that and then find the person who does know how to do it and then hire them <laughs> to do it. I love that. And so let's, <laughs> let's let's use that as a bridge. Talk to me about, you know, you guys are about to open up your third salon here. So I would imagine your, your team's grown quite a bit. Um, so talk to me about, you know, who are some of those experts, not necessarily names, but more functions that you've brought in to help you guys reach the success that you've reached do you yeah. guys have a bookkeeper do you have you know a receptionist just talk to me about how you guys organize your team so our first step um and kind of setting up that system was to because cliff and i were basically managing the shops so our first step was to um find a manager and we know who those people were and a lot of the management team that we have here now they, um, most of them have been here for a really long time. So part of the reason why we wanted to grow is because we wanted to give these people who are so great and so important to Pucktown more opportunity. So we identified those people and um, started working with them on how to manage inside the shop. Um, so our structure kind of goes, each shop has a general manager, an assistant manager, the grooming department has a lead groomer, um, and high level, we have the marketing department, um, which is made up of two people. And then we also have a fractional CFO who comes in once a week, just for four hours. Um, cause as we started to think about the future, there were a lot of things that we didn't know. And quite frankly, that it's just a QuickBooks gets so complicated. It's like, we're going to screw something up big time if we don't get some help. So we have a fractional CFO um, and we now have a director of operations and he's been here for about two years. So he deals with the operations in the shop and he deals with working with the general managers to help them handle the staff. Um, wow. And so that's been great too. I mean, you guys have quite the team that's set up and I, I would imagine people are listening at this and I, it's so overwhelming. I do not need all that. I'm not there yet, but obviously you had to take that first step somehow. What did that first step look like for you to remove yourself from working inside the business to on the business? Otherwise, you know, pulling yourself out of it. Was it, you know, hey, it's let painful. me write down everything I'm doing on a day-to-day -day basis and try and find someone else that can do it? Was it? Yeah. Well, you just kind of slowly, you, I, I take things one at a time and it's just like, you know, you start to identify the tasks that you do. And then actually we have a good, um, activity that we every now and then do with our business coach, just kind of like a gravity check, he calls it, but it's like, cause it's so easy to take so much on and 
forget to delegate it or just be like, well, it'll just be easier if I do everything or whatever. But so we periodically go through and we make a list of the things that we're doing. We rate them, you know, do I have time for this? Do I like to do this? Am I good at this? Is there somebody else who would be good at doing this and kind of organize that way? And it's a slow process. It's not like one day we were like, okay, now you guys are the managers and we're out of here. Um, it was a really slow transition and evolution into what it is today. It wasn't like a on Monday, I'll be up in the um, office and that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's probably the hardest thing for 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 lots of us to understand and for us to grasp is we all, you know, we want to go, 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 right? And especially when we decide, hey, it's okay, like I want to retire, I want to try and get out of this and work on the business, not in it. We expect it to be fixed tomorrow. Um, but it is kind of this transitional process where it's two steps forward, one step back, two steps oh, yeah. forward, one step back, where you're trying to, you know, pass off what you're doing to someone else and make sure that they know what they're doing, that they're supported, that they're comforted there, and that that the salon still runs. Um, I'm curious. So you guys, you know, we've talked a lot about maybe these, let's call them these back office folks, you know, marketing and, you know, the, the operations manager and the fractional CFO. But talk to me, I mean, going to three salons is no easy task in terms of keeping and hiring, uh, you know, staff groomers. I mean, groomers specifically are high skilled individuals that are really, really hard to find, but once you find them, they can be loyal as long as you treat them well, obviously. Yeah. And, and you know that. So talk to me, let's break this up into two parts. What has been your key to success for finding great quality groomers? I would say, so we, um, we have done it both ways, if you will. We have some of the current groomers who are here, um, trained here with my mom and I, and that process over time has changed. Um, 10 years ago, it was just a super, super informal, um, and actually both we groomers were subjected to that <laughs> system of training, um, but just like a super informal. And when we can, we're showing you just like how I learned, you know, when we can show you the things, we're going to show you the things and we're going to do them together and whatever. Um, lately, we've had, since I've had the time to kind of sit down and think about what are the important things a groomer needs to know um, and kind of formalize that process for them. Um, I'm calling it the, the Puptown Lounge Groomer Certificate, um, but I, I have been, <laughs> I have really been trying to formalize that process with the later train, the most recent trainees. Um, and then we also have hired outside groomers too. Um, I think you just have to look for people who are a good fit, that fit in your culture um, at your shop. That's the biggest thing. Like I, I obviously we want to have great haircuts. But I also care deeply about the people that work here feeling like this is a place where they want to be, where they have a future, where they're supported, where they can learn and grow and they can make a mistake and that we're all in it together. And those people need to fit into that culture. And that's, I think, what is the most important piece to me. Um, so it's a culture fit um, yeah. that really comes down at the end of the day. Yeah. This might be hard to answer, but the first thing I think about is, well, how do you how do you judge if they're a culture fit? You know, they could be the most skilled groomer in town and they're looking for a new job, but how do you, how do you tell when you're going through that, you know, that initial interview or those initial conversations, whether or not they're actually going to be a culture fit? Sometimes you can tell, and sometimes you can't tell. Um, and it's a process. And I think all, we're working with the managers and those lead groomers 
to help them identify um, how to manage everyone so that we do have a good culture and that if something is popping up or an issue is happening or whatever, that they can handle that in a way that makes everybody feel comfortable. Uh, it's process. <laughs> it is. Uh, no, I mean, it sounds like you guys have it figured out though. I'm curious, groomer burnout is so prevalent and it's yeah. extremely important. Um, and especially, especially as a COVID. shop owner. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And especially as a, as a you know shop owner and founder, that's got to be one of the things that's most top of mind to you is how do you keep your grooming staff happy, right? If you're jumping through all these hoops to find those culture fits and then train those high quality groomers and getting them in your systems and your team, you want to make sure that they're there for the long haul, obviously. And and to do that, it's not only on it's on them, but it's on you to make sure that they, they're not burning out. And so I'm curious, you know, across your two salons, what have been the keys um, to like have your groomers avoid groom, groomer burnout? Are there limits you guys put in place? Are there requests? Like, t talk to me about that. Um, so I, that wasn't, so it wasn't anything that I, that I ever focused on before, honestly, before COVID, it was just like, we are, we were just go, 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 go all the time. And it never, it never just really crossed my mind. But when I started to sit down and think about the training program and the things I wanted to tell, um, the bathers who were learning to become groomers, that was one of the things I was thinking about. And then COVID hit and then we all got burned out. Um, I have a piece in my training. So if you do your training here, one of the things that we focus on um, is the self-care piece because it's so important. And I, it wasn't, not that my mom faulted me in any way, but it just wasn't something that we ever focused on. And as my mom and I are getting older and we're getting tired and all the things that happen with burnout, your feet, and you're getting grumpy and all that stuff. Um, we're like, you know, this does kind of need to be addressed. We need to address this in some way. Um, so we, t I try to talk about it and I try to encourage the managers um, just like in an organic situation to address it when they see it. Uh, I think when you have a team that is built and functions the way that ours does, one of the benefits is that we can discuss those things together. It's not just like a lone wolf. I'm just doing my own thing. And um, we really work together to try to combat it. And silly things like um, like the lead groomer downstairs here last week before the Thanksgiving chaos that you know ensued, um, she went and got um, snacks at Costco for everybody. So just like providing fun snacks and Red Bulls and um, if you're me annoyingly harassing people about where is their water bottle or talking about making sure that you're wearing the right shoes and that you're wearing the right clothes and doing all those things to take care of yourself. Because if you come in here and you're not, you're not taken care of, then it's really hard for you to provide that service for the dog because you're uncomfortable or you're tired or you're stressed out or you're miserable or whatever, because we all know that whatever energy we put out that comes back from those dogs. You know what I mean? So to keep the dogs calm and happy, we have to at least try to keep ourselves calm and happy. It goes so much smoother for everybody when we do. No, that makes sense. I love that you guys focus on groomer well-being outside of the salon because that is, you know, typically that's where you could draw your line in the sand and be like, you know what? I don't really care. As long as you're here, you're happy, you're ready to work. That's fine. It's fine with me. But I love that you spend the time in your training to actually educate people on, you know, 
mental and physical well-being outside of work because that does carry on to your day-to-day and i mean that is the key to like livelihood right i mean you're not i think you said in the beginning of the the beginning of the interview that like you want to make sure that people are there you know they they don't live to work they're working to live right um right so anyway i really like to focus on the well-being piece in your training is your training broken out into different like modules is it yeah it's been going different for every every person's had a different experience so far as we're perfecting it uh that's the pup down style but um we start so i started out um we have like our bather program that we do um and typically all the people who have wanted who are great bathers and who are a great fit here they most of the time they want to become a groomer um I do, we do require six months of just, you have to go through the bathing training first um, with the bather manager. And then we need six months of, we do frequent reviews. We used to call them 90 days, but sometimes that's not realistic. So um, our check-ins with people, we do our check-ins with people and make sure that, um, you know, we want to make sure that they're a good fit, that they're um, not only a hard worker, but they're trustworthy and they like it here and people like working with them and, um, all of those things are set before we then move into and then i do kind of we take time out of the um bathing room and i use so i use the jody murphy videos we love those she's um so cool and so we i have that subscription and then we use the um her book and then notes from the grooming table i like that book because i like the setup because we can make our own notes as we go about things that we learn and whatever um, and we kind of pull back a little bit and do some of this stuff, um, which is stuff that I never did. Like I just instinctively knew all the breeds or whatever. I knew the tools cause my mom was always yelling at me to get the tool or whatever. So, but it's like, you know, learn those. I don't put too much focus on it. Do- this dog structure I think is really important because if you don't know the structure of the dog, then it's really hard to get a good haircut Absolutely. on the dog. So, um, we focus on structure for a little bit and then we kind of go through, um, you know, the rough cut prep portion. Um, and then I have, I, once we get through all of that and there's no time limit on it or anything like that, I don't like, I mean, it just, I think it takes years to become a good groomer, um, and a lot of experience. So, and then we have the, um, kind of final phase while there's two pieces to the final phase, there's all the haircuts that we go through, we go through together. And, um, both lead groomers and pretty much all of the seasoned groomers, everybody is on board because I can't be standing behind every person, every group for every day. Um, so like, this is not like my training program. This is like the pup town training program because we do it all together. Um, and we're just also fortunate that everyone here is so willing to help, but we go through, I just have it set for 25 for each. So like 25 puppy cuts, 25 Neatons, 25 different AKC trims, and the lead groomer in the room checks those each time and we go through. And then once those are set, then I think another important piece um, to the training that we all have to be able to do is the client consult piece. Um, So that's also, that's kind of like the last phase because you can't really talk to a client about a haircut if you don't. If you don't know it, 100%. So that's and, kind of the last piece. And I mean, how do you receive feedback from a client, right? I mean, that that's pretty important right. how you deal with them when they're like, oh, like that's shorter than I thought it was doing, right? Yeah. Or you have to tell someone bad news about, you know, having to go maybe shorter or yep. expectations due to behavior or whatever, whatever it is. Sometimes you have to learn how to, to talk to people and yeah. no, get I'm them sure. on board with what you're able to do. 
right and right. what's best for the dog which and it you know people don't know they don't know what they don't know so it's our job to tell them and inform them to get them on board to be the type of customer that we do want yep no you're 100 right in the last episode i had recorded i was talking about um you know it's there's this like old adage where like people tend to agree if they understand and so if you take the extra second to like to educate them about why you're doing something or why you cut it a certain way as long as they understand they're typically on your on your team but it's when you're telling them hey we cut it that way sorry then yeah they're like, what the it's heck? over here's your shave dog bye yeah. that doesn't yeah. go well no that Almost does ever. not work <laughs> yeah exactly um you know as we kind of wrap up here i always like to ask what what are kind of like some tools you know it could be uh supplies tools um whatever it may be computer stuff that you guys could not live without like you guys could not run pup town lounge without and i'm not looking like obviously you need shears but like what's yeah. like is there a specific okay. type of shear that you guys yes. like love and need we um my mom was a big stand dryer user and i've come across a lot of groomers who don't who just don't they don't like it. They don't get it. They're not comfortable with it. They're cumbersome. They can at times be expensive to maintain and all of that stuff. But I, we train everybody on the stand dryers and I love the stand dryers. All, obviously we love the velocity dryers because those are good too, but we're big stand dryer people. And then in terms of product, um, a lot of times we like, I let the groomers, if they're always looking for new things, there's so much out there. It's crazy. So I think I, we never want to get into a hole where we're just like, we're the salon that only uses yeah. this product or whatever. I love trying new stuff. And it's crazy because they get things improve every year. Every year, it's, literally it's every wild. year. It's wild. It's insane. Yeah. So yeah. I'm all about trying new things. Okay. I'll try anything. But. Do you <laughs> let your groomers use whatever products they want or you supply products for all so of them? So we supply, we, supply, um, we supply all the shampoo, uh, and we supply a lot of the, like I supply all the equipment too. Um, if they have personal, um, preferences and it's not something, or they don't want to share it, like in a community situation, they purchase their own and then they just put their name on it or whatever. Yeah. But I, we buy all the, like the, um, clippers and the blades and maintain them and things. So, cool. no, that's great. That's great. And I think obviously, I mean, that's what you guys do. And I love that you're open to trying new stuff. So many times we all fall into this trap of like, okay, yep. These work like my groomers seem happy with these. So like I'm closing yeah. that segment of my mind and we've got shears covered for forever. You know forever. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But I love, cause you're right. That stuff. I mean, grooming equipment, products and supplies, it just innovates so quickly. Um, I know. And you know, I never went, like I never did. My mom and I were too busy just like grinding and doing it and doing haircuts. Like I never did an expo or anything like that. I mean, until, like, probably, like, I did not have time. I didn't. Yeah until we started hiring outside groomers and like man these girls are really good how are they doing this yeah. and they're like you know i just go and i learn and i do stuff and so we um currently we're taking turns it's like would be expensive to send all 12 of us at one time and close both shops for the entire weekend so we kind of take turns going in ohio there's the wilmington show which is um like a popular one that we try to get to so like this year we sent half of um the staff and you know, I don't, I covered their entrance in the hotel and then we did a, like a, whatever allotment for food for the weekend or whatever. Cause I do want to make it something that is attainable and affordable for the staff Perfect. members to go to. No. And I love that so, you budgeted out for that, like covering the food expenses yeah. and the tickets. I mean, that's, that's important. And that is, I love that you said that, you know, how are you guys so good? It's like, Oh, well, they're going for the shows. They're going to the shows. And 
I, you know, there's so many times that I feel like we forget to add that into our budget as a, as a store owner is, Hey, we should budget in continued education for our staff because it's not like an expense. It's, it's an investment. Yeah, no, it is an investment. It's important to people. Mm -hmm. We, you know, we didn't do that until two years ago when I realized like, oh, like we didn't budget it until two years ago. Um, We're just kind of like flying by the seat of our pants. Like, oh, can we afford to do this month or whatever? But when we started doing a budget for the year, it's like, I have a certain amount of money that I think we should invest in these people. And um, I think it's one of the reasons why people want to be here is because we try to encourage as much learning as we can. I don't know. Certainly, I don't know everything that there is to know. So you know, sending them out and having them learn through the industry stuff is so cool. I think a hundred percent. And you know that, you know, that I I love, I love people that know what they don't know, which you were talking about with your team, right. Or it's like, Hey, I know what I don't know. And I don't know taxes and CFO stuff and marketing and all that sort of stuff. So I'm going to bring people in that know that stuff. And it's the same with continued education. It's like, Hey, I know I can't teach you what you could learn at a show. So let's find a way to get you there. Um, well, Sarah, I really, really appreciate you coming on. Uh, you are phenomenal. What you and your family have built is really, really inspiring. And I know it's going to touch our audience uh, because you guys have really, you know, for lack of a better word, you've done the American dream, right? Like you guys were, gro- your mom was grooming <laughs> in her basement with you guys as her little helpers. And yeah. here we are, you know, multiples of years later with you and your family still running now two and almost three successful pet services salon. So you are amazing. I love your story. If any of our guests want to stop by a salon or check out your guys' website and look at some of that branding and marketing stuff we were talking about, what is, um, you know, the social channels or that, that website that they should all look at or Facebook, whatever, whatever works for you guys. So it's puptownlounge.com is the website. And then we're at Puptown Lounge on all the things. Perfect. Well, Sarah, I really appreciate it. You are a rock star. Um, Thank you so much for joining us again. Thanks for having me. And that's the pod.